You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From September the 13th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. I, myself, Paul, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I ask that when I am present, I need not show boldness by daring to oppose those who think that that we are acting according to human standards. Indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. than your thoughts. I am more than my thoughts. We are more than our thoughts. And all the religions, all the great religions of the world, when you get down to the bottom, the very deepest levels, all the great world religions agree on that one truth. We are more than our thoughts. And as we begin this series that I'm calling Thrive, about wellness, and particularly today, our focus is on spiritual wellness and spiritual health, I think this is one of the most important truths that we can understand together, that we are more than the thoughts that are in our finite brains. Now, some things we can control, some things we can't control, That's why Reinhold Niebuhr, many years ago, wrote a prayer that many of you know very well. It's called the Serenity Prayer. And it addresses this conundrum that we face as humans, that we can control some things, but there's so many things we can't control. And so I want to begin today with praying this Serenity Prayer together. There are lots of different versions. This is a familiar version. Let us pray the Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I cannot accept. And wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Now in the Niebuhr prayer that we just, the serenity prayer we just prayed, 
He writes, if I surrender to your will, I may be reasonably happy. The Apostle Paul frames it this way from the passage that I read from 2 Corinthians. We take every thought captive. And these teachings, these are about detaching from our thoughts, not being owned by the things that are happening in our finite brains. Jesus uses this language. Seek ye first the kingdom. Where did he say the kingdom of God was? The kingdom of God is within you, he says in the book of Luke. And Jesus also urged his followers to take up your cross daily. What else can that mean except die to self, die to those thoughts that we feel like are us, and they're really not. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so let me back up, tell you a story from my childhood. I grew up in the evangelical tradition, Southern Baptist tradition to be specific, and from the time I was a small child, I heard people say this, well, you need to accept Jesus into your heart. Now, some of you are psychologists and can tell me what age it is that that you begin to get abstract thinking. What, What age is that? Like, 10, 12, something like that. But I was, you know, eight, seven years old. I I did not understand how you could take the guy that I see in the pictures with the long flowing hair and the white bathrobe. You know that guy from the pictures? How How does he get in here? I don't understand. But over and over again in the tradition I grew up in, you've got to accept Jesus into your heart or you burn in hell for eternity. That was kind of, you know, those two options there. Well, I didn't want to burn in hell for eternity, so I really wanted to figure out how I get the guy from the picture in my Bible. I had one of those picture Bibles, right? From, from the picture Bible and from the painting on the wall at church. How do I get that guy into my heart? It would be years later before I would discover that a deeper spiritual truth, that it's less about receiving some external Christ into my heart, but more awakening to the Christ that is within already from the inside out. It's a revolutionary, transformational understanding of the nature of Jesus and of Christ. So how do we awaken to the kingdom of God within us, to the Christ that is within us, as Jesus tells us? And what does this have to do with spiritual health? Well, it has everything to do with spiritual health. This is the pearl of great, uh, the pearl of great price. Remember that parable that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Matthew? He says this. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls, and when he finds a pearl of great price, what does he do? He sells everything that he has so that he can buy this one pearl of great price. And this truth that that Christ is within us, this is the pearl of great price. The merchant stakes his whole future on this truth, and Jesus suggests that we would do well to do the same. Well, how do we do that? The answer, the best I can tell, is twofold. And I've got to go ahead and warn you, you're not going to like it very much. Because the first way is through suffering. Father Richard Rohr calls it a necessary suffering. He I've, I've told you this before, I'll, it bears repeating that he defines suffering as any time we're not in control. That's suffering. And your ego, my ego, what the Apostle Paul calls the flesh, I think it means the same thing as ego in our contemporary language. Our ego doesn't like that one little bit. The ego, the flesh, that's who we think we are. And what did I tell you from the very beginning of the sermon? We are more than what? 
more than our thoughts. That's our false identity. It's our personality, our patterns, our opinions. It's the story that we tell ourselves about who we are and what separates us from one another and from creation. Again, the ego is who we think we are. The pearl of great price is recognizing that there's something deeper than just our chemical reactions within a finite brain kingdom of heaven we take up our cross daily to tell our ego that we are more than what you tell us we are and this happens only roar tells us through the necessary suffering the paul paul writes about it in galatians he says it this way i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me So let me ask you, who wants to be crucified today? No? No takers on that? The ego doesn't like it one little bit. You may have seen the 1999 movie, The Matrix, starring Keanu Reeves. You might see The Matrix. Reeves plays a character called Neo, and he lives in this artificial world, this false identity, this fabricated world, and nobody in this world really knows it. But he awakens to the fact that it's artificial and he has a choice to take. He can find himself in the real world or he can pretend that it doesn't exist and keep living in the artificial world. And Neo decides that he wants to live in the real world and so he takes a a pill in the Matrix. It's a pill. I wish there was a pill, right? I would sign up for that pill, maybe. So he takes a pill and the pill knocks him unconscious. And when he wakes up, he is naked and hairless and weak and he's in this like pod of what can only be thought of as like amniotic fluid he must be we read in john 3:16 born again to find himself in the real world in his weakened state he's nearly killed by a machine and he must relearn everything including how to walk before he is fully reborn into reality And Jesus says, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Dying to self, born into new life, this is how we grow spiritually. And it's not just a one-time affair, it's an ongoing, lifetime process of dying to self and being reborn anew. Dying, taking up our cross, how often? Daily. And being reborn. That's the difficult pathway to spiritual health and well-being. So part one is suffering. Nobody that I know chooses suffering. But suffering chooses us, doesn't it? And if you're a control enthusiast like I am, like my ego is, you don't like this process one little bit. So the second part of our two-part formula for finding the pearl of great price, we can take a little bit more active role. Suffering happens to us, but in the second part, we we have a little um, agency, I guess is the right word. We suffer and we, second part, surrender. Now, surrendering, in my mind, isn't quite as bad as suffering, but it's still not our default setting. Our ego doesn't like it one little bit. We don't think of this word typically in positive terms, and this is glaringly obvious when we consider some of the synonyms. Thesaurus helped me out a little bit here. 
To surrender means to abandon, to abdicate, to acquiesce, to capitulate, to submit, relinquish, succumb, yield, to raise a white flag. I surrender. Our ego does not like to raise a white flag. It desperately wants to hold on to illusions of control and separateness. So circumstances, sometimes suffering, cause us to raise a white flag. We, we have to surrender sometimes. You may know this story. One night watching TV, a successful sports columnist named Mitch Album is watching Nightline, and he sees his old professor on them, Maury Schwartz, Dr. Schwartz. He was on Nightline, and he discovered that his old professor had ALS, Lou Gehrig's syndrome. If you know anything about ALS, and you probably do, there's not a cure, and the prognosis is not good. It leads to death after becoming completely debilitated, and that's what his old professor was suffering from. And so Mitch would go visit his Professor Maury every Tuesday for a while. And although Professor Schwartz Maury had kind of raised a white flag, recognizing that this illness that he had, there was no cure. So he had raised a white flag, surrendered to that, but his spirit was so vibrant. It was so alive, and the wisdom and the kindness that he showed to his former student, Mitch, became the subject of a best-selling book called Tuesdays with Maury. Who's read Tuesdays with Maury? A lot of you. One of the many nuggets of wisdom that Maury shares with Mitch, he says this, he says, learn how to die and you learn how to live. Learn how to die and you learn how to live. In other words, surrender, yield, let go. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross daily, daily, and follow me. Now, to me, this is the pathway you suffer and you surrender. That's the way to the pearl of great price, the secret to the hidden treasure. But it's not very good news, is it? <laughs> it's really not. So I'm not going to leave you there on that. Instead, I want to paint a picture of what life can be like when you do those things. What does the pearl of great price feel like when it's in your possession, the hidden treasure, when it becomes yours? What does spiritual health and wellness look like once we finally at least taste it? If we engage this process, here's what we know. First of all, we're going to feel more connected with ourselves, with others, with nature, and with God. Second, We'll be able to better produce the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness. Could we use a little more kindness in the world today? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, Paul tells us. Number three, we can learn to respond to situations with less reactivity and more peace. Could anybody use a little dose of peace? We can enjoy greater health in other dimensions of our life. That's the pearl of great price. Those are some of the, the attributes we can find for ourselves if we engage this process. And generally, you know that you're spiritually healthy when you find yourself at peace with life and when you can maintain hope even in the most difficult of times. And just like physical health requires us to uh, maintain healthy physical practice like 
eating right and exercising. There are spiritual practices that can help us be spiritually healthy. Practices like prayer and meditation, worship, spiritual reading, gratitude, journaling, stewardship, service, and more. And as with much of life, sometimes we have to fake it till we make it. You ever try to fake it until you make it? You, you do what you know you, you do and, until it seems right, until it seems natural and fitting. We may not always feel energized by spiritual practices in the same way that we don't always love eating salad. Mmm, I would love some more lettuce for lunch. Yay. But we submit ourselves to spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that we might obtain spiritual health. Richard Foster, not the famous uh, hymn writer, but the author of Celebration of Discipline, he speaks of this call that, that we have at times in our life, not all times, but sometimes in our life, we have this, this call that wants us to be and do more. He writes this, he says, perhaps somewhere in the subterranean chambers of your life, you have heard the call to deeper, fuller living. You have become weary of frothy experiences and shallow teaching. And every now and then you have caught glimpses, hints of something more than you have known. Inwardly you long to launch out into the deep. Do you hear that call? Do you have that longing for something more? If you do, if that resonates with you, then I believe God is calling you to more. I believe God is calling you into a deeper, richer spiritual life. It's not always fun. That's guaranteed, but it is always rewarding. Money back guaranteed on that one. So the invitation today is simple. To take a step, just a step, towards spiritual health. Engage in a practice that will enable you to let go of your many attachments that your ego and your brain, your mind wants to hold on to. The invitation is to pray with ever more serenity, the prayer of serenity. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I cannot accept, and wisdom to know the difference. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.